MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Bet $10 at WinBet and get $200 in free bets. Bet big and win bigger with WinBet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WINNBet.com and start winning today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. Get mountain cold refreshment delivered straight to your door via Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And next, we're also brought to you by PropSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit to receive up to $500 in bonus cash. Head on over to PropSwap.com or download the PropSwap app today. And finally, we're brought to you by StableDuel. StableDuel is a horse racing daily fantasy sports app where you can play free and paid games for real cash prizes. You can win as much as $40,000 with just one entry. Head on over to StableDuel.com to get started today. And of course, make sure to download the SGPN app. It's your home for all of our free picks and podcasts. Download the SGPN app wherever it is you download apps. Howdy, Dan Marino, and welcome to the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, episode 135, I believe. Via my calculations, we're at 135. Episode 135, it's going to go out to Devin Booker's hamstring. Thoughts and prayers to Devin Booker's hamstring. But this is not a Devin Booker hamstring podcast, even though it could be. Maybe that will be something I will I will do in the future. Hopefully, it won't be about his hamstring. Hopefully, it'll be about him being the championship basketball player. But regardless, this is a, uh, a podcast where we talk about people fighting each other and, and how you can make money on it. So... Sounds sounds um, like a very uh, family-friendly podcast, which it is. So thank you for coming to it. I am one of the hosts. I, I am known as, in most parts of the world, I'm known as the Beverly Hills Ninja, Jeff Fox. So thank you for coming to the show. We got a big one for you uh, again this, this episode. Not only are we going to break down the UFC fight night coming up this weekend, but we also are going to give you a couple picks for Bellator's return to Hawaii, Hawaii this weekend. So we're gonna we're gonna uh, get all that rammed into your ear holes or wherever you would like it rammed into. So thanks for coming. Hopefully you're subscribed to our MMA gambling podcast feed, direct feed, so you can get us in your ear holes or whatever hole you'd like us in as uh, early as possible. All right, enough of that. Enough of this intro. Let's let's bring in um, bring in my associate co-host. He is super excited because um, this weekend sees two of his very favorite fighters of all time uh, throw down in separate fights. They throw down nonetheless in the octagon. Um, let's bring that man in right now. It would be Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Hello. I really, truly hope you are not referring to the Beverly Hills Ninja and the future barber. And that's me. I'm the Beverly Hills Ninja, but yeah, the, the man formerly known as the Beverly Hills Ninja <laughs> and the future hairstylist. Yes, correct. I, I, there's so much anger that I can't even properly, <laughs> I can't even properly demonstrate the anger that I have for those two. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be honest. Uh, this is probably the first time anybody has ever come into uh, MMA gambling podcast in already known very clearly two of my picks uh, before I've ever even made them. So you're picking with your heart, not with your head, as per usual with you, Dan. I think the, too much emotion. Uh, he, all right, here's a spoiler alert. I think both of those two are <laughs> are going to lose. Like, and not just because I objectively hate them, uh, which I, I I definitely hate Macy Barber more than I hate uh, Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright is just like 
uh, padded record guy who uh, throws weird spinny shit and would probably be 400 times better if he didn't. Uh, and that's really frustrating and annoying to watch. And it's not even like the same kind of fun spinny shit as like Michelle Pereira. Um, like Michelle Pereira is like, I'm going to do a moonsault uh, a la WWE. Yeah. Whereas uh, Beverly Hills Ninja is going to throw like the weirdest and worst angle for a spinning back kick to the like solar plexus or something like that. And then follow it up with a spinning back fist. And it's going to look bad. Uh, not like Ben Askren bad, but like not good either. Um, and then somehow still get a win uh, in there. But he, he's fighting a really tough dude who I think is going to beat him. And we'll talk more about uh, Macy Barber's flaws and why I'm picking against her. All right. Well, there you go. That's pretty much uh, what you guys have uh, have in store for you. Um, Gumby smash. He's, he's getting angry. Turning green. But he already is green because he's Gumby. So, But regardless, um, we're going to give you it's actually a pretty good fight night card as i was saying last episode we didn't we lost the chucky guy fight but they the mma as dan says the mma gods giveth and taketh away and they tooketh away a chucky guy fight but then they gave us another chunky guy fight in return so it's uh all all is gonna work out well in the wash and then like i said we have a couple of the bellator fights we'll probably jump into the bellator quickly to start things off and then we'll we'll crank out the rest of the of the of the winning UFC picks first, obviously I have to tell you about win bet because make sure to you get down on the wins bet $10 win $200 promotion where a $10 bet qualifies you for up to $200 in free bets. Plus the win bet casino is offering hundred percent deposit bonus up to a thousand bucks. And of course, don't forget to get involved in their same game parlays with the wins own build your own bet feature. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is download the win bet app or visit WYNN bet com to get started offer subject to change terms and conditions at winbet.com must be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough winbet is available if you or someone you know has a gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 we're also brought to you by coors light it's the hectic time of year between weddings graduation spring sports and more we're busier than ever right now and sometimes we forget to take a second for ourselves so this season take a second to enjoy a nice cold coors light because you deserve a beer that's made to chill there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottle and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refresher made to chill. So here's what you got to do, everyone. First of all, I, should, I need to tell you, when I need to take a second for myself, I reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash SGP. That's CoorsLight.com slash SGP. And remember to always celebrate responsibly. After we give you winning picks, crack open Coors Light, celebrate it responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden Colorado. All right, because we're going to give you lots of winning picks. You want to just want to knock out these Bellator ones quickly, Dan? The championship fights. Yeah, they're um, they're real easy to knock out. <laughs> they are. It's true. Even even Jeff could make picks here. All right, let's start with the first one: Bellator two seventy eight Velasquez versus Carmouche. That one is going to be the Friday show, 8 p.m. Eastern on Showtime, or if you're in Canada, it's free on YouTube. Fantastic. It's going down from the Neil S. Blaisdell Center in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, ten fights. We got the start of the Benoit tournament um, on this card, but we're not going to break down picks there unless Dan has some hot pick to give you, but we're going to break down the main event, which is for the Bellator MMA Women's MMA MMA Flyweight Championship. Actually, that's the only 
it doesn't say women's because they don't have a men's flyweight division. So we'll just say the Bellator MMA flyweight championship. And that would be between champion Juliana Velasquez versus Liz Carmouche. Yes, Liz Carmouche is still fighting. Let's, let's break it down quickly and then we'll give you picks here. All right, Liz Carmouche, of course, is Gorilla. She's 16 to 7, seven knockouts, three submissions. Only time she's been stopped, she's been submitted twice. And that's it uh, through her 23 fight career. She's three and zero in Bellator, which got her her title shot here. Uh, she won her last fight via TKO. She also was in the UFC, as you probably remember, where she went five and five, had two cracks of the title. She fought Ronda Rousey for the bantamweight championship, so she did used to fight up a weight class of bantamweight, and then she fought Valentina Shevchenko for the flyweight championship, and she lost both of those fights. Um, like I said, used to be a band of weight. She also was in Invicta where she was 2-0. She also was in Strike Force where she was 2-2. Two two. Made her debut way back in 2010. Still going strong. Plus 160 on her. The champion, Juliana Velasquez, 12-0. Perfect record in MMA as a pro. Four knockouts, two submissions, 7-0 in Bellator. Uh, she's been the champion. She beat Lemelay McFarlane, and then she defended the title once already uh, successfully. So this will be her second title defense. She also was regional champion. She also used to fight at Bantamweight. Uh, as for size, she's an inch taller, inch and a half reach advantage over Carmouche, two years younger, which might be surprising to some because Carmouche has been around forever, it seems, but um, she's not really that much older than Velasquez. And you get minus 195 on the champ. Um, just me glossing over this. I really like that number on the champ. I I'm actually gonna go with Liz Carmouche on this. No way. Um, yeah, you said I mean like, easy picks. I thought you were gonna go with the champ. No, I mean like this. So uh, let me tell you something. I went up and down this Bellator card, and I was looking for anybody who I could you know just dangle in front of you guys with plus money um, as like a bonus pick. And, and I'll be honest, like I I don't think I saw anybody. Maybe on the whole card, Christian Edwards I think is like plus one thirty five, and that's like the biggest dog I really liked, but I will say I do really like uh, Liz Carmouche in this spot. And and part of the reason why is just like the way that we see Juliana Velasquez win, right? Like she's, don't get me wrong. She's got good hands. She does some really great things with her jujitsu, but she, she comes from a judo background, right? Like she was a judo competitor for a really long time, which is why she's older and we're only seeing her in the sport now. And like, not for anything, Liz Carmouche is a tough out for anybody, but especially right. somebody who comes from a background of, like, needing judo, right? And, and one of the major flaws of judo, for those of you who are not familiar with judo in its purest sense, is that you can't attack the legs in judo. It's outlawed. And granted, she's got tons of MMA experience since then, but it tends to be that wrestling is a really good counter to people who are good at judo. You know, you can get in on the legs— they're worse at defending those. Granted, if they, they get you in in over-under positions or clinches against the cage, they're a little bit better there. But, man, like, you know, not for anything. Liz Carmouche has thrown some women around, right? Like, Liz Carmouche, you know, threw around Jessica Andrash, threw around Lauren Murphy, threw around Caitlin Chokagian, like, you know, took it to Jennifer Mayan, took her down a bunch of times. Like, Liz Carmouche went five rounds with Valentina Shevchenko in—, in this is not ancient history. This is like two and a half years ago. And since then, all she's done in Bellator is just grind people, take their backs and TKO them. So, uh, or, I mean, she had a rear naked choker of Deanna Bennett in there too. I think she's a really bad matchup for Juliana Velasquez. So uh, of all of the dogs that exist on this card, she's actually one of the only ones I really like. Very, very interesting. But everything you said does make sense. She does 
does have that uh, old woman strength, right? So she can throw people around. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you if you thought Velasquez was legit, but apparently you don't think she's legit because you have an old lady being there. I mean, I do think she's legit. I, I think there are some times where you can say, you know, is she maybe one of the better fighters at 125? Like, where do I think Velasquez would fall in the UFC? I think she'd be a top 10 flyweight. But at the same time, like, Liz Carmouche was a top three or four flyweight in the UFC for a really long time. I mean, she got a title shot. They released her off that title shot. Like, Liz Carmouche has always been right there. All right, so there you go. Liz Carmouche, finally, this would be her first championship anywhere, I think. I guess she probably has original ones. No, I don't think she has any championships. This would be a big deal, her finally winning a championship. That is sort of surprising. Like, she doesn't have, like... Man, I guess she didn't win Strike Force. That's true. She didn't win. She lost to Marlowe's Conan nope. for the Strike she Force belt. She. Oh, she. Oh, no, that was a reserve. Yeah, no, she has no. She's never held a belt of any kind. What a first one this would be, too. You know, like yeah, having having lost to Valentina Shevchenko and Ronda Rousey for belts. Like, what a yeah. a huge moment this would be. Yeah, well, there you go. Tune in Friday nights. See if Dan's right. And then tune in again on Saturday. I don't think you're going to see an upset on Saturday. Well, at least not the main event. Uh, because it's headlined by Cyborg, Chris Cyborg versus Blankow 2, this would be. Um, they're feeding up people. Cyborg's already already eaten before. She uh, gets to eat them once again. So this, this one's going to Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. All the same stuff. Same spot. Showtime. YouTube, if you're in Canada, all that same stuff. So once again, this has got um, actually, it has a an interim. I forgot it has an interim championship fight on it. Are we breaking down that one, Dan? Because I don't have any stats for that one. Uh, I just Archuleta uh, versus Rolfian Stotts. I, I tell you, I'm I'm real chalky on that one. Uh, I think the grappling yeah. of Stotts is just. I actually think Stotts is like low key one of the more underrated guys uh, in the in Bellator. Um, he he's really phenomenal. What yeah. he did to Magomed Magomedov impressed the hell out of me even if it wasn't the most exciting fight like his only loss in his pro career is a spinning back fist that just happened to catch him right on the jaw 15 seconds into a fight and get this it was marab Devalashvili, you know the king of spinning back fists i know that guy wow yes so there you go this is actually the stronger card of the two if you ask me it's got the um the Bellator MMA featherweight championship, women's featherweight championship, Chris Cyborg because they're early in blank. How then it's got, like I said, the interim bantamweight championship up for grabs. One or Chuleta versus Rufian Stotts because current champ Sergio Pettis is injured. Then you got Kyochi Horaguchi versus Patchy Mix, uh, former champ Alimale McFarland, uh, the hometown hero going up against Justine Kish. Um, you got Lance Gibson Jr., a Canadian. You got Kai Kamaki. For the third, this one is Gochi Yamachi, Yancey Medeiros. This this card's pretty stacked for um, for Bellator. Yeah, and I, I love the Lima McFarland fight versus Justine Kish. Like I, I think I think it's a good showcase for McFarland, yeah. and it kind of just shows how good uh, Bellator's one twenty five division is because Kish was always like a serviceable fighter in the UFC, and I, I think McFarland probably beats her pretty soundly here and shows. You know, it, it's like a nice point of comparison to show just how good she actually is. And very Bellator of Bellator to have this card go up against a UFC on Saturday night instead of you, you could have had this one on Friday when you didn't have any UFC competition. But no, they have to go up against uh, the UFC. So anyhow, 
Now, um, main event, uh, she's still a much watch for me, Chris Cyborg. Uh, she's taken, like I said, on Arlene Blancow for the second time for her featherweight championship, Cyborg's featherweight championship. All right, so Blancow's nickname is Anger Fist, all one word, obviously. Uh, she's 15 and 8, eight knockouts, one submission. She's been submitted five times in her career, so um, never been knocked out. We'll, we'll see. Actually, the last time they fought, she was submitted by Cyborg, so maybe that'll happen again. Maybe she won't get knocked out. Uh, she's 8-4 and four in Bellator. She's won two straight fights and five of six, the one blemish being the Cyborg fight, the first one. Um, she used to fight at uh, down at Bantamweight. She was a regional champ. She's at plus 600. Chris Cyborg, Chris Justino, actually, nicknamed Cyborg, 25-2 and two with one no contest, 20 knockouts, one submission. The one submission she got... Uh, against Blancow. She's been knocked at once, submitted once in her career. It's the only time she's been stopped. She's 4-0 in Bellator. She's already defended her title three times. All of her fights in Bellator have ended with uh, her finishing her opponent. Uh, she's won five straight fights. She went 6-1 and one in the UFC and was the champion uh, of the featherweight division before losing to Amanda Nunes. Uh, she was 5-0 in Invicta, the champ there as well. She was 4-0 with one no contest in strike force, champ there as well. Made her MMA debut in 2005. She is a grappling champion as well. She's not just a, a uh, feared striker. She's minus 899. Now, this one you're not going <laughs> to surprise me on, right? No, of course not. She just beat her. Why are we doing this again? Exactly. <laughs> also, also, if you can find yeah, minus exactly. if you can if you can find minus 899 still, uh, good for you. Uh, because I, I see that number shooting up further and further. Yeah. Um, some places have it negative fourteen hundred by now. Like and, and yeah, I mean, yep. I guess like if you want to win a few pennies, uh, feel free to. But she I mean, she's going to do the same thing she did. And like she submitted her last time. I, I think she'll probably TKO her this time just to round it all out. But yeah, this is she's appointment viewing. But my goodness, like it is not going to be a competitive fight. No, 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 no. Um but yeah, like Dan said, appointment viewing always when Cyborg fights. Because uh, if you like watching greatness, then there you go. Watch that. So like I said, the rest of the card also is stacked. But of course, like I said, they are going up against the UFC, though, on Saturday night. So um, you may have to watch it after the fact or have the multi-screen thing going down. So um, all right, that's it for Bellator. We're going to move on to the main event, uh, which is the UFC. But first, Athletic Greens. Let me tell you about them. We're brought to you by Athletic Greens and their AG1 supplement. So what is this stuff you're asking? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy Recovery, focus, and aging, all of those things. Uh, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. AG1 supports better sleep quality and recovery, and Athletic Greens has over 7,000 7, five-star reviews. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com SGP. Again, that is athleticgreens.com SGP to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And when you go on the internet to get to that athleticgreens.com slash SGP, make sure you're using IPVanish. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without added security, you might as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, your ISP, and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting a thousand a thousand percent? How about a hundred percent? A thousand percent too, we'll say. A thousand percent of your data. 
This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing on speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you're streaming media. Whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's just like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you have to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know it's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take your privacy back today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. Go to IPVanish.com slash SGP. Use promotional code SGP and claim your 70% savings. That's IPVanish.com slash SGP. <laughs> All right. UFC time. Is, be- is the Bellator card better than this card, Dan? No. There, there's a couple exactly. of fighters I like. People there's always... a couple of fighters I like on that Bellator card. Like, I, like I said before, I, I think Kish versus Alimale McFarlane's fun. I, I think Patchy Mix probably contests Koji Horiguchi enough uh, to make him sweat, which will be nice to watch. But like, you know, the two title fights at the top, I think are mostly washes. You know, you got Lance Gibson Jr., who's like a negative a thousand favorite on the prelims. Um, you know, like, yeah, it, is he Canadian? Is Lance Gibson Jr. Canadian? He is. Oh, I did not know that. He is. He's also he's also fighting yeah. a guy named Nanoa Dung, um, which is uh, I, new... I know that name. <laughs> yes, it's a good name. Na- yeah, Nanoa Dung. Uh, and no, I like a couple of the dudes on here, but it's just not the same level of competition, top to bottom, which is always my problem. However, as we get into this UFC card, you will notice that the bottom of this card is not actually very high level competition. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is not. No, the answer is always no. Peltor has good fight cards, but it's um, from top to bottom. It's UFC always, always trumps it. So the card we're speaking of, UFC Fight Night, Lemos versus Andrade, a.k.a. UFC Fight Night 205, a.k.a. UFC and ESPN Plus 63, a.k.a. UFC Vegas 52. We really should come to some kind of consensus on these cards instead of calling them all these silly things. But regardless, that, that's what we got here. Uh, this is an ESPN Plus card. Um, I probably should have the start time, but once again, I, I didn't write it down. Do you remember the start times, Dan, of any of these fights? I think this one was originally supposed to be a four o'clock start, but has since uh, had the cancellation or two of fights. Um, Steve Garcia, Demir Hadzovic is off. Um, and while they found opponents for everybody else who dropped off, I do think that's probably going to push it back half an hour. All right. So probably around 430 Eastern and then what the main car would be eight, I would assume Eastern. That, that really sounds right. Let's things, let's let's go. Let's go with that. Sure. I, I'm not sure. I the pick'em contest I'm running. I, I did put a time on. I just can't remember what uh, time it was. So anyhow, let's uh, get into this here card. It is once again going down from the UFC Apex Enterprise Nevada. Um, they got one more week from the Apex after this week, and then they're off to Arizona for a pay per view. All right. Um, a barn burner uh, opener. Welterweights. G- Dean Barry versus Mike Jeff. Jackson, um, Mike the Truth Jackson versus Dean the Sniper Barry. Um, Mike Jackson, listen to this record. He's 0-1 with one no contest as a professional fighter, and he's fighting not on Bellator, not on LFA. He's fighting in the UFC again. All of his fights have been in the UFC. He's a journalist that sometimes fights. Um, 
They had him in to fight some guy named Phil Brooks, a.k.a. CM Punk. He won that fight, but then he got busted for weed, and they got it overturned, and then he lost to... No, wait a minute. Yeah, he lost to Mickey Gall after that. Is that right? Did he actually that, lost right? to he lost to Mickey Gall first. Gall first. Uh, and then right, they gave, right, right. They gave Gall the CM Punk fight. Uh, Gall switched right. CM Punk, and then they matched up the two people who had lost to Mickey Gall. He did beat CM Punk by decision, uh, but then got right. yeah, like you said, uh, had that overturned. And this is way back. Um, he's been submitted once by Mickey Gall, and that was way. Uh, the CM Punk fight was way back in June of 2018. CM Punk is back wrestling uh, since that time. Mike Jackson's not fought. Um, he's four inches taller than Barry. I don't know his reach. We don't even have official reach info for him. He's at plus 625. Um, Dean, the sniper Barry, he's making his UFC debut. He's another one of these hyped up, uh, not quite as hyped up as, as other ones, but he's a uh, a promising um, prospect out of Ireland. He's four and one as a pro with four knockouts. He's been submitted once. Like I said, this is his debut. He's won three straight fights. He's seven years younger than Jackson, minus 1,000. Is there any analysis needed here, Dan? I mean, like, look, Mike Jackson is probably better than people uh, making memes about Mike Jackson say he is. Uh, like, he <laughs> does have, like, 30-35 kickboxing and Muay Thai fights under his belt. So, like, he has some experience. But he's also a guy who fights not as a profession. He, he fights for, like, fun. He even has a clothing line called Shits and Giggles um, based on his fight profession. Um, and, like, bottom line is here is, like, he's fighting a guy who wants to make his life out of this. And who knocks people out who try to box with him, right? Like, that's the thing about Dean Barry. Like, the only trouble he's ever had in a fight was Anthony Taylor, um, who's, you know, maybe not the best guy to ever have an issue with. But, like, he he did a good job grappling. Anthony Pretty Boy Taylor did. So, um, like, I, I don't think Mike Jackson's going to be able to grapple him. And as a result, he's got to box with a dude who's half his age who throws twice as hard. Um, so, while I hate betting on somebody or picking somebody officially in a fight. What what did you officially go with the number? Negative a thousand? It's a thousand. God. Yeah, yeah I'm going to pick him anyway. You have to, sorry. I, I, yeah, yep. like it, it, it's terrible, but like I, I don't even see value at Mike Jackson at that number. Maybe, I'm guessing this isn't going to show up on our recommended picks at the end of the podcast, but regardless, we're both picking Dean Barry to have a successful UFC debut. All right. A more, um, at least on paper, a more tightly contested battle. Next, light heavyweights, Marcin Prachnil versus Philippe Linz. Do we have nicknames? Linz, Monstro. <laughs> Fantastic nickname. Let's, let's talk about Monstro first. He's 14-5 with eight knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out four times. He's 0-2 in the UFC. He was 4-0 in PFL before then. Was he their champ? Am I... Did he win in um, PFL? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? That sounds right. I'll put the intern on it. You continue. <laughs> okay. All right. And yeah, undefeated in PFL. He was 3-3 three and three in Bellator. Um, a lot of his career was spent at heavyweight. This is at light heavyweight. He has not fought since June of 2020. Four inches of reach on Prachnil plus 104. Do you have the info yet? Yes. Uh, he won the heavyweight, first season of the heavyweight tournament by beating Josh the yeah, Cuddly Bear Copeland in the finals. There you go. There you go. Okay. So that, that concludes uh, the info on Linz that you need to know. Prochnio is 15 to 5, 11 knockouts, one submission. He's been knocked out himself four times as well. Both these guys have been knocked out four times. 
one and three in the UFC. He won his last fight after dropping his first three. They gave him another kick of the can. And he he made it uh, worthwhile. Um, he has not fought since January 2021. He was he formerly fought in the biggest promotion in the world, one championship where he went four and zero. Used to be a middleweight. Used to be a heavyweight. Now he's right in the middle, light heavyweight. He was a regional champ. He's got an inch of height. Lins <coughs> three years younger. Striking stats in his favor. He's twice more active landing strikes. Minus 125. I will take Prochno in this one. Um, yeah, Linz has just not been able to transfer his success outside of the UFC into the UFC yet. And until he does, I'm going to bet against him. So I'll take Prochno at minus 125. Yeah, I'm going to ride with Prochno in you here. Uh, I think the problem for me with Linz is just kind of like his inability to go for it. Like he, he just kind of fights super safe. Like that, that fight with Arlovsky sticks out to me. Whereas like he kind of thought he was winning that fight, even though he clearly wasn't winning that fight. And he just kind of was okay getting outstruck by three strikes per every hour that the fight was going on um, and losing. Yeah. And he just never like pushed forward. And I thought after that loss, he would turn things around and he didn't. It just seems to be like a chronic issue with him. And Prochneo is almost the other way to a fault, right? Like that's the thing about Marcin Prochneo is like, the dude goes for it a little bit too much, so much that he got knocked out by Sam Alvey early in his career. But since then, that's won him fights with Khalil Roundtree and Ike Villanueva. So I like him here. I'm also a little bit worried about Felipe Linz coming down to 205 and what he looks like. I I, I mean, he fought heavyweight a bunch. I, I don't know that this looks good for him. Yeah. He, he was a chunky heavyweight, though, to be fair, was he not? Yeah, like, I do, do I think he could lose the weight and <laughs> yeah. look better than he did? Sure. Do I think he will have done that properly? I don't know. <laughs> All right. Both of us are picking Prochino in this one. So we're on track still. Um, and we're hitting at like over two thirds of our fights. When, when we're on the same page, we get them right. So let's see if we can keep this up. Uh, a last minute fight. This one we just got slotted in. Welterweight Preston Parsons was originally supposed to fight Louis Koske, but Koske got that old COVID thing that's still going around. Um, so he's been replaced by a newcomer, Evan Elder. So Elder will be making a very short notice debut, like less than a week notice debut in the UFC. Uh, however, he's known as the Phenom. So perhaps he's up up to it. He's a Nick Diaz Academy um, product, I believe. He's 7-0 as a pro, four knockouts, one submission. Like I said, short notice debut. He's won two straight fights via TKO slash knockout. He's two years younger than Parsons. Normally fights at lightweight. This one's up at welterweight. Uh, this fight is so new, we don't even have lines to tell you on it. So I'm guessing he's going to be the underdog here. Um, Parsons, nicknamed Pressure. He's 93 with nine submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted once. So all of his fights, none of his fights, actually. Let's put it this way. None of his fights have gone the distance. All of his fights have finished inside the distance. W win or lose. Uh, he's 0-1 in the UFC where he got TKO'd in his first fight. He's won four of his last five. He's two inches taller than Elder, and like I said, no odds on this. So can you tell us anything on Elder, and then uh, give us your pick? So, Please. yeah, I, I've seen Elder fight probably three 300 times, it feels like. Um, he, he's fought back, seven times, Dan. Yeah, uh, he's fought far more than that. He had a very long amateur career. Um, and that's actually where I saw him more than anything. So uh, when I worked for a website that shall not be named, uh, it uh, he was one of the... Uh, the stars, the darlings of one of the organizations that regularly televised events on that website. And that was uh shamrock FC. So I I've seen him fight on the regional circuit a whole bunch, um, both in 
amateurs where like uh, you know i exaggerate i think he fought like 10 times as an amateur and then as a pro he actually fought luis pena on the amateur circuit too before he turned pro um it's his lone loss in his career he, he fought for Shamrock a bunch, LFA. Uh, I think I just saw him on FAC, which probably got his recognition here. Um, but, you know, you, you mentioned that he, he I believe he was originally a, a Nick Diaz Academy guy. He actually made the move about two years ago to Sanford MMA, um, where he's been doing all of his camps since then. He looks even better than he did before. He's got really great wrestling, really powerful hands. The one thing I would say about him from a breakdown standpoint He's just kind of a guy who leaves his chin up a lot. Um, I, I think against the guys he's fought, it's never been an issue. But I think when he faces, you know, some, you know, he, he's probably going to immediately drop right back down to lightweight after this fight. When he moves back to lightweight, he's going to fight some dudes who will pop him on the chin. And he really has to work on, you know, keeping that chin down and, and throwing his strikes without picking his chin up in the air. Um but like when he does land, he lands so hard and he's got great, uh, great wrestling. I, I really like his clinch takedowns and his suplexes and like all that kind of stuff looks really great out of Evan Elder. Um, and as far as the breakdown for this fight, I, I'm actually going to pick Elder here on short notice. Part of the reason being that like, you know, I mentioned his lone weakness is that he keeps his chin up in the air. And, and I don't know what this line's going to come in at. It could come in at Elder as a massive favorite and then I'll feel like an idiot, but he, he keeps his chin a little bit too high up in the air. Preston Parsons is just not the guy to tag him, though. You know, like, Preston Parsons is, like, a wrestle-first, yeah. looking-for-his-submissions kind of guy. You know, like, if you go back and look at his record, like, it's guillotine choke, armbar, rear-naked choke, rear-naked choke. Like, it's all early finishes with the sub-game. I don't actually think he's going to be able to get Elder down because I think he's a better wrestler. And I think he's going to be too slow to deal with Elder on the feet. Don't think he's the kind of guy to tag him. So, at the end of the day... Even on short notice, even up a weight class, I think I like Elder here. I'm going to take Parsons. Just uh, I'm going to fade a guy. Uh, short notice debut, up a weight class. But yeah, everything you said is uh, makes sense if it comes true. So we shall wait and see. So that is welterweight fight. Let's move on to bantamweight. Queeling Aori versus Cameron Alves. Um, let me see. We got some nicknames here. Uh, Alves is Kamchita. And uh, Aori is the we spoke about him before the Mongolian murderer. Have we confirmed if he means he is a murderer from Mongolia or he murders <laughs> Mongolians? Do we know um, yet or not? I, I know he's I, from Mongolia, but man, man, I am really hoping it's the former. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully. But anyhow, um, let's break or break it down. Uh, but to tell you about Cameron else first, um, what kind of nicknames camp cheetah, Dan? I have no idea what a Cam Cheetah is, awkwardly, uh, despite the fact that I've interviewed Cameron Ellis and had him on the Top Turtle MMA podcast, and that's usually one of my go-to interview questions. Uh, for some reason, I don't think I ever asked him what Cam Cheetah is. I mean, I guess his first name is Cameron, and if we maybe— Yeah, I got that part. Yeah, maybe if we, we add, like, some sort of Portuguese spinoff here, maybe— it's some sort of small something named Cameron. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Sure. He's going to hope to switch the nicknames with his opponent after Saturday, right? He He's going to want to be the Mongolian murderer. He's going to be the murder, murder, night, right? murder of Mongolians? Yes, of the Mongolians. Well, just one in particular. Not not actually murder him, but just beat him. How about that? Let's break <laughs> it down, Dan. Cameron Ellis, he's 10 and 5. Six knockouts, four submissions. So he's finished all of his wins. He's been knocked out three times, submitted once, so he's only gone the distance once in his 15 fights. 
He's only won the UFC where he got TKO'd. That was back in October of 2020. We got a lot of people coming back off long layoffs on this card. Used to fight at Featherweight. This one's down at Bantamweight. He was one known Bellator. He made his debut way back in 2012. Pro MMA debut. Two inches taller, two inches reach on Aori, plus 200. Um, Mongolian Murderers, 18 and 9. Five knockouts, two submissions. He's been submitted three times in his career. He's 0-2 in the UFC. Six years younger than else. Three times more active landing strikes. Better grappling stats, minus 250. I'll go chalk here. Um, better striker and grappler. I will take him in this one. Yeah, is. yeah, I'm going to take Keelang Iori as well. I, look, I, and I don't mean to keep going chalk here, but I, I feel like I have. I really do think the striking of Cameron Ellis is good. Um, but like just the the flaws he showed stuffing the takedowns to Kyler Phillips. Like, I, and I don't think Keelang Iori even necessarily goes right to the wrestling. But when the striking fails, I think he goes there then. Um, or if the striking fails, he goes there then. And I'll also add this, too. This is, a, you know, and, and I said it about Felipe Lins. This is Cameron Ells going down to flyweight, uh, which worries yeah. me a little bit. Because he was already kind of, yeah. No, he's, is this fight not taking place at, at flyweight? No, it's bantamweight. Or, he's, uh, or I've seen it listed at bantamweight, yeah. Or he's going oh, up. Oh, okay. So, so Aori is going up. Hmm. I think so, yes. Okay. Okay. So that, that worries me mildly less for Cam Cheetah, but I still think he's going to get out wrestled. So um, it, ceases, it ceases to be a part of my analysis, but continues to uh, – the pick doesn't change. I'm going to stick with Aori. I think he wrestles him if he needs to. Yeah, Cam Cheetah. Let me make sure this is where – it, yeah, 135. I've seen it on two sites, so it's locked in at bantamweight. All right, let's move up way, way up to light heavyweights. Tyson Pedro versus Ike Villanueva. Ike, Ike Villanueva was on the Top Turtle MMA podcast last week, full disclosure. Um, and then is that the only one from this card that you had on? You don't think you have any on this week from this card, do you? No, I was supposed to have uh, Luis Koske on. As, as a matter of fact, I even interviewed right. Luis Koske, uh for. Oh, what happened after you interviewed him, Dan? Uh, he got COVID, uh, but that's oh, not wow. my, I, I don't think that's my fault, uh, okay. but nevertheless, yeah, no. So both my interviews this week, if you are planning on listening, uh, you should go listen to them. I'm interviewing uh, Tristan Connolly, who fights uh, Darren Elkins next week, and Mike Breeden, who's getting ready for his second fight in the UFC. So it had nothing to do with Dan, though. Just like Brian Barberina's insides exploding had nothing to do with you either after you interviewed him. But anyhow... Let's break down a fight, shall we? Ike Villanueva, he's been on the pod, like I said, last week. He's Hurricane Ike. He's 18 to 13 with 15 knockouts. He's been knocked out seven times, submitted 15, uh, sorry, five times. So uh, he's lost one decision to um, fight. The rest were via finish, all of his uh, losses. He's one and four in the UFC. He's lost his last two fights via TKO slash KO. Used to fight at heavyweight. Was a regional champ. He was one and in Bellator. Uh, he has missed weight before at light heavyweight. That's where this fight is at. He made his de- pro debut 2009. He's more active striker, better grappling stats, plus 425. Tyson Pedro, do you know his nickname, Dan? Uh, Tyson Pedro has a nickname. It's been a while. Do you since even remember was... Tyson Pedro? It's been a while. I mean, I do. I don't remember him having <laughs> yep. a nickname, though. Kangaroo Paws is his nickname, Dan. <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> Nobody's that ever... could be a new Nobody... one. 
Nobody's ever called him that. <laughs> well, apparently, I saw that somewhere. Wikipedia, more than likely. So I think that may be my new nickname coming up. We'll have to wait and see. All right. Let's tell you about Kangaroo Paws. Pedro, he's 7-3, and three, two knockouts, five submissions. So he's finished all of his opponents. He's been knocked out once, submitted once. So he's this may be a inside-the-distance prop if you're into that type of thing. 3-3 three three in the UFC. He's lost two straight fights, both via finish. However, he's been out of the cage since December of 2018. What's the story behind that? Do you have a story behind that? I mean, I think it's just been injuries uh, pretty wildly throughout uh, because, I mean, he was only booked for one fight in that time. It was just the Vinicius Morea fight that got pulled. Um, so, And then after that, I, I think it was probably pandemic after that because he, since the pandemic started, he has not been booked. So I'm assuming when it comes down to having to leave Australia and all the problems coming back in, he, if I had to guess, I'm saying Tyson Pedro just said, I'm not into not seeing my family for six months. Right. Plus, if he actually carries kangaroo paws with him too, that could be issues getting across any kind of international border. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't cross international borders with kangaroo paws. That's what I heard. Nope. Whether they're attached to you or in your pockets, so... All right, so uh, what else can I tell you about Pedro? He's two inches taller than Villanueva, six inches of reach, seven years younger than him, striking stats in his favor, minus 600. I believe it would be your turn. Look, I hate this number, too, uh, because yep. laying negative laying 600 on a guy who hasn't fought in four years feels wrong, and I almost feel like I should not go chalk just because of that. But, man, dude, I... I love Mike Villanueva. I love him as a human being. He's super fun to interview. And you know what? He's damn fun to watch fight too because that dude just loves to swing it and bang it. And like he just goes in there and wants a boxing match. The problem is, is that I think Tyson Pedro is a better boxer. And if he shows any signs of being like he did before he leaves, the minute he doesn't like the boxing, he can just take Ike Villanueva down and dominate him there. Because he also has right, a decent yeah. decent ground game. And Ike Villanueva looks, you know, kind of like a fish out of water when it hits the mat. So, yeah, I mean, I can't believe I'm going to – you're telling me I have 100 bucks and I'm going to put it on a negative 600 favorite who hasn't fought in four years. But that is literally exactly what I'm about to do. Yeah, this is a this is a wacky card for things like that. I'm taking Pedro as well um, for all, all the above reasons. So, um but yeah, there's a, a lot of wacky lines here uh, and a lot of fights. I, a few fights I forgot to mention, a few fights I've actually switched my opinion on, which doesn't usually first glance pick is, is the one I stick with successfully, I might say. Um, we'll see how, how this newer strategy goes tonight. But Pedro is the pick. Uh, moving on to welterweights, Dwight Grant versus Sergey Kandoska. Kandosko. He's, he's been around so long, Dan. I can't say his name anymore. You want to say it for me? Uh, yeah, it's Sergey Candonzo. Candonzo, right? That's it. Like Gonzo. All right, let's tell you about this one. We got the body snatcher, Dwight Grant. He's eleven and four with seven knockouts. Been knocked out himself once. He's three and three in the UFC. He's gotten loss, win, loss over his last three fights. One no in the Contender Series. One no in Bellator. Used to fight at middleweight. This one's up at. Sorry, this one's down at welterweight. Made his pro MMA debut twenty eleven. Two inches of reach on Honda is the man that he's fighting. His nickname is easier to say than his last name. Uh, he's got two inches of reach on him. Grappling stats in his favor, plus 100, even money coming back on him. All right. Sergey Honda um, is 26, 6 and 1, 10 knockouts, 7 submissions. He's been knocked out once, submitted twice. He's 1 and 1 in the UFC. Lost his last fight. However, that was back in November of 2019. Do you have stories for this guy, Dan? 
Uh, I don't. I have no idea why this guy has not been around. <laughs> it's it's been yeah, it's been a long time. Um, he also made his pro debut in 2011. He's eight, despite all this, he's eight years younger than Grant. Uh, minus 120. I will take the returning Sergey Kandosko in this one, please. Well, we're gonna we're gonna have a second difference. Uh, first, if you count the uh, fact that the, the I was first... thinking about going the other way. I'm going to take the body snatcher here. I, I think he's a little bit underrated when it comes to just how good his striking is. Um, like, I, I think, you know, like you look back at the record and you're like, ah, oh, he's one and two over his last three. His win is a split decision. Uh, that doesn't look great. But, like, he pretty much knocked out Daniel Rodriguez. That that fight could have been stopped at any point in time for a win for Dwight Grant. And nobody would have complained. And that includes Daniel Rodriguez, who's tough as nails. Somehow that dude survived it in, I, I wish I could remember who the, the referee was. It was the older looking white dude. Cause he did it two or three times in one night. Um, but like he, he took an absolute beating and comes back and knocks out Dwight Grant, who kind of tired himself out. But the, the bottom line is Dwight Grant throws, he throws super hard. He went in there and mixed it up with, with Francisco Trinaldo, a fight I thought he won. Although if we're going to, you know, play revisionist history, I also think he lost to Alan Joban, but like he's traded with all of these guys and looked pretty damn good. And like, you know, Kondansko fought Rustam Habilov, you know, three years ago and got absolutely manhandled in the grappling department. He got manhandled by Rostam Akman and like, both of those guys, I don't, I mean, like Rustam Habilov, I think is a good grappler, but Rostam Akman, I don't really. And like both of them out grappled him. So we're saying we feel really good about Kondansko on the feet enough that we're going to pick him over Dwight Grant, a guy who, like I said, had Daniel Rodriguez knocked out. And in addition to that, I'll say this. I think Dwight Grant could out grapple him if he wanted to. Dwight Grant has a hundred percent takedown accuracy. Like he has never tried for a takedown in the UFC and failed. Not once. So, um, and granted, that's only, it's a small sample size, but I'm saying I think he could take it there too. So yeah, I'm going to take uh, Dwight the Body Snatcher Grant here. I think he surprises a lot of people in this one. All right, there you go. We finally differed, but yeah, this one was a, was, it was a tough one to pick, as I said. I think I had Grant originally and then I switched. Guess, can you believe that I switched on the next fight too, Dan? It's a catchweight fight, 190 pounds, Jordan. The Beverly Hills Ninja, right, versus Mark andre Barrio Power Bar, one of our favorite nicknames around these parts. And a Canadian, I might add. All right, let's tell you about right first. Dan's favorite fighter, or second favorite fighter, actually. He's 12-2 and two with one no, one no contest, seven knockouts, five submissions, so he finishes everyone. And he's been finished, too, and everything. He's uh, been knocked out twice. Uh, he's 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He's got win-loss, win-loss. He lost via TKO his last night. He had a no contest on the contender series. That was originally a loss, wasn't it? Do you remember are that? We, are we talking about? Oh, could you remind me who it was against? Do you have that in front of you? Oh <laughs> like no, it was, I, like it, was it was against. Uh, you, you don't have to tell me. It was against Anthony Fluffy Hernandez, okay. and yeah, he he lost in forty seconds, if I'm not mistaken. And then Fluffy tested positive for weed. I think I don't think it was even like a PED. He like was was smoking weed. There you go. All right, he's an inch taller than Burial. Three inches of reach on him. One year, one year younger, more active striker, plus one fifty. All right, power bar, thirteen to five, one no contest, nine knockouts. He's been knocked out himself once. He's two and four in the UFC with one no contest. 
He's gone two and one over his last three fights. Uh, however, he did lose his last fight via knockout. He's taking this on short notice. He's a multi, he has multiple regional championships on his mantle. There you go. He's been popped for PDs in the past. Uh, he's at minus one eighty. It is you. I'm I'm obviously going to take Power Bar. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take Mark Andre yeah. Barrio. Uh, and look, I, I'll say this. Jordan Wright's flashy throw everything but the kitchen sink and then also through the kitchen sink style is is crazy and it's worked for him in the past. But like legitimately, Mark Andre Barrio is one of the most durable dudes out there. And not only is he durable, after he takes a beating, he's still got power in his tank. Like we saw it in the uh well, I guess we saw it in the Oscar Pichota fight, but we also saw it in the Abu Aziatar fight. He just took an absolute beatdown, comes back and finishes both those guys. He survived Dolce Lugiambula early and then came back and just, like, put it on him as well. The guy is almost impossible to put away. So, like, why would we pick somebody who naturally needs to finish somebody in order to win? And, and yeah, I, I said virtually impossible to go put him away. Chidi Njikawani just did. Chidi and is crazy. That dude's good, and he hits really hard. I don't think Jordan Wright's on that level, so I'm going with Barrio. Yeah, I'm going to take my fellow Canadian as well. Um, he doesn't get finished, and Jordan Wright needs to finish uh, people with his crazy crazy strike in two win fights. So that is the pick there. I was thinking about taking him. I don't know if I was just doing that to because it would be funny to pick uh, him and <laughs> have him go crazy, but... Um, Nonetheless, um, we are both going with the Canadian Barrio. Uh, that concludes the prelims. We'll jump right into the main card in a sec. But first, Stable Duel. There are never enough things to gamble on, and the one sport that runs 365 days a year is horse racing. Best part is now there is a new way to play the ponies, especially if you're brand new to the sport. Check out Stable Duel, daily fantasy-style app where you can play free and pay games for real cash prizes. Pick your horses, build your stable, and play against others to move up the leaderboard. Win as much as $40,000 with one entry. Don't know anything about horses? Not to worry. The app gives you clear data on which horses to select to build your best strategy. The app is free to download at StableDuo.com. Multiple games are offered each day with free games weekly at tracks all over the United States. Get in the app, create your account, and start building your tables tonight or today. Invite your friends to play against you or play against our stables. You can even follow them in the app. We can compare our own stats. Download now at StableDuo.com and see how many winners you can pick in your stable. See you in the winner's circle. Play, race, win. We're also brought to you by PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. The NBA playoffs are set and in full swing, and PropSwap is where bettors find the best odds and turn the hardwood into hard cash. PropSwap is the only app that allows you to pick your favorite team and then sell your bets whenever you want. Many PropSwappers make thousands of dollars just by buying and selling championship futures all playoffs long. This allows you to win over and over without your team ever lifting the trophy. Go to PropSwap.com or download the free PropSwap app today. PropSwap has fantastic features like filtering listed tickets based on the best value, a free activity feed to stay in the know with all the big sales and red hot tickets for sale, loyalty rewards program that turns your ticket sales into extra bonus cash and a first deposit cash match. Use promo code SGP on your first deposit and PropSwap will match your deposit up to 500 bucks. Join the real sports bettors on PropSwap where America buys and sells sports bets. All righty then, main card time. We said eight o'clock. We decided on this. It's going to start off with a flyweight fight: Manel Cape versus Sue Muderji. Um, I think actually the order of this card is kind of messed up. Let's, let's actually start with one I have this the info for first: featherweights: Lando Venata versus Charles Jordan. 
like I said, the order of this card, I don't really know because there's different orders all over the place. So we'll go with this one. Um, we got Groovy Venata versus Air Jordan, another Canadian, Mr. Jordan. Let's tell you about Venata first. So 12, 5, and 2, four knockouts, five submissions. He's been submitted once. The only time he's been finished in the fight. He's 4, 5, and 2 in UFC. He's gone win-loss, win-loss, win over his last five fights. He was a regional champ. Used to fight at welterweight. Used to fight at lightweight. This one is at, what did I say? That's featherweight. Made his pro debut 2012. Two inches of reach on Jordan. Better grappling stats, plus 100. Air Jordan, 12-4-1, eight knockouts, three submissions. 3-4-1 in the UFC. Gone win-loss, win. He also used to fight at lightweight. He was a TKO champ. In Canada, three years younger than Venata, striking and active striking stats in his favor, minus 120. I think it's me. Is it not me? It is your turn. Yeah, because I All think right. I, I, I just took uh, Barrio. <laughs> Go figure. You took you took uh, someone against right. All right, I'm taking the Canadian again. I'm taking Jardine. I'm taking striker over grappler here, even though Venata's got some crazy flashy striking. I think Jardine, Jardine's just a better fighter, um, so he's my pick. Yeah, and I think it's actually almost deceptive to call Lando Venata a grappler um, because he's not actually that good at grappling. Scrambler? Yeah, like, I, scrambler, I mean, I guess he, he he scrambles well. And, and like, I, I think he fancies himself a grappler sometimes. But his, I mean, his takedown average is, like, 40%. Uh, he's given up takedowns to, I mean, like, Mike Grundy grappled the shit out of him. Like, Grundy was winning every exchange there. Buddy Green took him down time. Marty Casey, uh, who granted just showed up that he is a really good grappler against our boy Slava Claus. But like Marty Casey took him down at will. Matt Frivola took him down at will. Like we, we can keep talking about Lando Venata as if he's got really good wrestling because he's got some sort of wrestling background. But at the bottom line is he doesn't. And you're right. He's got some really flashy striking. Charles Jordan is really technical striking. Um, and sometimes it's flashy too. Like uh, he turned it on against Andre Ewell when he felt like he needed to, but I, I think we're going to see Lando Venata here trying to trade with him and it's not going to work out for him. And by the time he shoots, I think he's probably going to be too tired to actually succeed in any of that. There you go. We are green on air Jordan. Hopefully the Canadians do not screw us over this week. All right, now let's do the flyweight fight. I was jumping the gun on Manel Cape versus Sum. Muderji. Uh, Muderji is the Tibetan Eagle. Cape is Starboy. Um, we'll tell you Muderji first. 16-4. 13 knockouts, one submission. He's been submitted four times, so all of his losses will come via submission. 3-1 in the UFC. He's won three straight fights after dropping his debut. Uh, has not been uh, in the cage since January of 2021. Used to fight up at Bantamweight. He's uh, got three inches height on Cape, four inches of reach, three years younger, plus 165. All right, Starboy. Cop, 17-6, 11 knockouts, five submissions. He's been submitted twice. He's 2-2 two two in the UFC, dropped his first two fights, and then won his last two via TKO slash KO. Used to fight at Bantamweight as well. He was the Ryzen champion before all this. Made his MMA debut, pro MMA debut, 2012, minus 223. Is it my turn? It is your turn. I I'm going to take Manel Cape. Uh, look, I, I, I think... Sumu Derji is fun for me in a lot of different ways. Like I I'm really interested in how Manel de deals with how long he is because he is really tall for a flyweight, right? Like I, I think he's like, did you say he's five, eight, uh, or, or you just read off the differences. You didn't even he, say what I, his height is. Yeah. He's three inches taller. Yeah. So he, he's probably five, eight, uh, and he's got a four inch reach advantage, but that's because he has 
absurd reach. But the bottom line is here is like we talk about reach like that is if he's going to, you know, like poke and prod and stay away from an L cap. Like, are you going to stay away from that dude? No, he comes in like a freaking bull in a China shop, at least when he's at his best. Those first two losses, he did not. But since then, he's looking to kill and he's looked really good doing it. So uh, I've got a lot of faith that he continues that. I think he pushes forward. I'm not sure I'd bet a finish here, but I do think that like he's going to get in Sumu Derji's face and hurt him. I'm taking Mudergi. What do you think of that? I flipped on this uh, one. I mean, um, I, I know you're yeah. taking Mudergi because you love people with long arms. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, the stats don't play that out. That, that That's a good uh, good plan. But no, I, I think he's... I still don't totally trust Cape. I like Mudergi. I like the role he's on. I like his resume, his recent UFC resume a bit better. And he's a knockout machine. So I, I think he's wor- a worthy a worthy underdog um, pick here. Plus size, youth, all that stuff. Probably a bit more consistent than Cape, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to this fight. It should be a good one. I will say so this. I will uh, say this uh, about if, that fight is mm. that if if Sumu Derji comes out and fights the exact same way as he always does, and Manel Cape regresses to the same one who lost to Alexandre Pantoja, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think your pick's good. However, I think after he lost those two close decisions, I don't think it's something that he will ever regress back to. Cause I think now he's like, Oh, I got to go kill somebody to make sure I don't lose these terrible decisions, which by the way, they were terrible decisions. Yeah. He just thought they were um, <laughs> yeah. but like, I, I think he's going to go for it. And, and I think when he goes for it, I think he's probably one of the best two or three flyweights in the world. Yeah, no, it's very true. So looking forward to seeing this one play out uh, now to the the Dan Vreeland main event, the Gumby's main event, women's flyweight Macy Barber versus Montella, Montana Della Rosa. Um, we got Monty, his Della Rosa's nickname, and Barber's, of course, is the future because she's the future hairstylist, um, Macy. All right, sorry about Della Rosa first. 12, 6, and 1, one knockout, eight submissions. She's been knocked out once, submitted once. 5, 2, and 1 in the UFC. She won 1-1-1 one, one, one over her last three fights. Won her last fight via TKO. 1-1 one, one on the Ultimate Fighter. Used to fight at strawweight. She's missed weight twice at that weight class, so now she's up at flyweight. Uh, two inches taller than Barber, three inches reach, plus 155. Macy, the future hairstylist, 9-2. Five knockouts, two submissions. Never been finished in a fight, in a pro fight. 4-2 in the UFC. She's only won one of her last three. Or last, yeah. Last three, excuse me, last fight, which she technically won, but Everyone knows she didn't really win that. Uh, one known in the Contender Series. Used to fight at strawweight as well. Three years younger than De La Rosa. Striking and active striking stats in her favor. Minus 190. I'm taking Macy Barber, Dan. Ha ha. Oh, I'm, God, I'm I hate taking, you. I know. I'm taking striker over grappler, even though Barber striking is not nothing to write home about. I know people think she's a great striker, but she swings at air a lot. But I, I think her striking is going to be enough. Um, I can see a world where Della Rosa gets her down though and possibly Smiths her, but um, I'm going chalk here. Macy Barber's the pick. All right. So first of all, I, I wanted to, to get in here and say, it's sort of wild that you called this the Gumby main event when there are literally yep. two of, two of my favorite all time fighters uh, that we still haven't talked about yet on this card that we're about to talk about. Uh, and it's painful because you're you're making me talk about Macy Barber first and insinuating that I like to watch her fight. Um, with the, but that being said, look, uh, my hatred of Macy Barber aside, I, I worry heavily about her grappling. Like I, I think 
her takedown defense is nowhere near where it needs to be. Um, you know, like we we've seen her, yeah, and, and like people will write off the loss to to Roxanne Modafari as if it was you know just based on the fact that she blew out her knee, but like she also just gave up takedowns to Roxy at will. Like she mostly gave up takedowns to Miranda Maverick at will. Um, and she didn't win that fight against Miranda Maverick. Let's get that out of the way already. Like she did not I win said that. Already. Yeah, it, well, I, it needs to be said three or four times. Um, <laughs> like Miranda Maverick beat her. She should be on a three-fight losing streak. Um, De La Rosa, I think, has good wrestling. Um, in like, you know, I've seen a lot of comps out there between De La Rosa and Jillian Robertson. And don't get me wrong, I, I actually think Jillian Robertson's jujitsu is better, but De La Rosa's wrestling is better. So, like, that comp works sort of if you're trying to persuade yourself to take Macy Barber here. But I actually think the wrestling is going to be a problem for her with Montana De La Rosa. I think she winds up on her back too much and probably loses a decision here. Yeah, it, it very well could happen. This is the I'm not real sold on the minus 190 or whatever I'm getting on Barber, but. Them's the breaks. All right. You just wanted to um, piss me off. Is that mostly? No, it? no, no. Is Alexander, Alexander Romanov, one of your favorite fighters of all time? A hundred percent. I love watching wow. this dude fight. Like, all right, he's, well, he's, fighting, he's, he's only next. been in the UFC for what? What has it been? Three fights at this point? Um, uh, four, four. Fights, four fights at this point. And I have to say, hands down, one of my favorite fighters of all time. Both suplexing a guy who looks like Roque Martinez, which first of all, is an absurd image to see somebody WWE throw somebody like Kurt Angle back in the day. And then to see him choke somebody out with his forearm with not an actual choke, just with like pressure. The dude is so fun to watch and, and best part he's fat. And that's the best part. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That is the best part. And he, this week he's fighting someone who just got cut from the UFC that they're bringing back on short notice and he admitted he's not in fight shape, but uh, they doubled his pay, so he doesn't care, is basically what he said. That would be the vanilla gorilla, Chase Sherman. He's one going up against King Kong, Alexander Romanov. All right, Sherman, 15 and 9, 14 knockouts. Four, he's been knocked out four times, submitted once. Three and eight in the UFC. This is his third stint, technically, in the UFC because he technically just got cut. Uh, he's taking this, like I said, on short notice, very short notice. He is 0 and 3 over his last three fights, lost the last fight via submission. He was a bare knuckle fighting championship uh, champ at heavyweight. Two inches taller than Romanov, three inches of reach, more active striker, plus 850 for a heavyweight fight, everybody. <laughs> All right. King Kong, Romanov, 15 low, six knockouts, eight submissions, four and in the UFC, one via TKO his last fight. He was the EFC champion. He also was a wrestling champion. He's a year younger than Sherman. Grappling stats in his favor, minus 1,300. We're taking Romanov, Dan. Is he going to finish him? Yeah, in the first round. Yeah, and oh, the prop—I will, well, I will say this: the props aren't out on it because it's too fresh of a fight. Uh, so like they, nobody's dropped the prop on Romanoff by sub, but like get it, whatever oh, it is, sucks. get it. Yeah, get it. Also, yeah. it's really worth mentioning that when this fight was announced, do you know what? Do you want to take a stab at what Romanoff was posted at by most books? Uh, minus three thousand. He was posted at minus six hundred. You oh, could have wow. gotten him at minus 600, and since then has been bet. Yeah, his bet pretty <laughs> much into the sky. So, like, this is just one of those cases where I'm like, you know, I, I tell you guys this all the time. It's like, 
go look for the lines when they post because like that was free money uh, at negative 600. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like betting negative 600, but the guy is, I mean, you can get almost twice as high as that now and you could have sold it on prop swap. <laughs> there you go. Hey, very good tie in. All right. Um, I'm guessing the other fighter that Dan likes would be at lightweight. Clay Guida would be another one of your favorites of all time, right? Yeah. His, I, I will say this, his fight with, um, Diego Sanchez back in the day. Do you remember when Diego Sanchez kicked him in the yep. head and he, he popped back up like a, like a weeble, like he, he weeble or he wobbles, but he doesn't fall down. Um, he just popped right back up and kept running forward like a fucking maniac. Uh, I'll always love, I'll always love a Clay, Clay Guida fight. All right. Well, we'll see if you're going to love this one. He's up against Claudio Puelas. Uh, this fight is a pick on the board. Um, we'll go with, um, We'll leave seniority to last. We'll go Puelas first. El Nino is his nickname. 11-2, two knockouts, six submissions. He's been knocked out once. Four and one the UFC. He dropped his debut, then went four straight. His last fight, he won via submission. He's 3-0 in the Ultimate Fighter. He used to fight up at... Actually, he used to fight down, excuse me, at featherweight. Uh, three inches taller than Guida. Two inches of reach. 15 years younger. Minus 110. <laughs> the Carpenter, Clay Guida. 37-21 is his record 37 and 21. That's correct. Uh, seven knockouts, 14 <laughs> submissions. He's been knocked out twice, submitted 10 times, 17 and 15 in the UFC. He's won two of his last five, three of his last seven. He won his last fight via submission. Used to fight at down at featherweight as well. Made his UFC debut in 2006. Uh, one and one and the champion in strike force one alone WEC made his pro MMA debut in 2003 striking stats and active striking stats in his favor grappling stats in his favor minus 110 so it's a pick um i am taking puelas i love the love the line here 15 years younger uh he's looked very very good over his last four fights and if guida does try to utilize his wrestling and take him down there's a good chance he gets himself submitted so puelas is the pick i'm with you i'm I, and i, I oh just you're done... picking against yeah. him yeah I, I just got done saying how much i love clay guida and i always will but like I, I am sold on Claudio Puelish since his move to Sanford MMA. Like, look, in his in his UFC debut, he didn't look good. Uh, in his next two fights, didn't look great. Uh, he got knee barred. Well, he actually won by knee bar after getting absolutely dismantled nonstop for the majority of a fight. Um, followed that up by fighting a guy who's got no business being in the UFC, only won by decision. And I was like, I, I don't know. I don't think this Puelish guy belongs in the UFC. He leaves Peru, moves to the to the United States so that he can train at Sanford MMA and get high-level training partners. And he goes out and beats the shit out of Jordan Levitt. Like, beats the shit out of Jordan Levitt and then comes back with a knee bar on Chris Grootsmacher after beating him up for a while. The guy's grappling is very high-level. His striking is coming around. His wrestling is getting better. And I think your point about what would happen if Clay Guida shoots on him is so important. Like, I think Clay Guida shoots a takedown here, getting desperate if the striking isn't working. I think he gets subbed. I think Puelish grabs a guillotine and just finishes him. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Puelish a lot here, too. Basically, half of Guida's pro loss of Cumbia submission, 10 uh, submission losses. So, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, main event. Women's strawweight, Atlanta Limos versus Jessica Andrade. Um, sorry about Limos. First, she's 11-1-1, one, one, seven knockouts, two submissions. She's been knocked out once. She's 5-1 in the UFC. She's won five straight fights. 
She was a juggle fight champ before the UFC. She used to fight up at Bantamweight. This one's way down at Strawweight. Uh, three inches taller than Andrade, three inches of reach on her. She got popped for PDs in the past as well, uh, plus 170 on her. Andrade, nickname pal driver, Abate Estaca, Estasa, Estasa, Dan? Esteca. Abate Esteca? I'm pretty sure that's how you say it, yes. Yeah, Esteca, that, that will make sense, Steak. All right, pal driver, 22 and 9. Nine knockouts, seven submissions. Uh, she's been knocked out four times, submitted twice as a pro. 13 and seven in the UFC. Used to be the champ at strawweight. She's won two of her last five. Won her last fight via knockout, TKO. Uh, used to fight at up both weight classes. Actually, she won all the weight classes in the women's uh, women's weight, weight classes in the UFC, except featherweight. But that's not a real division. She's fought at featherweight. <laughs> she fought at flyweight, and now she's uh, down at strawweight, where she was the champ. Shockingly, I like. Starting of her career, you never would have guessed that she would uh, be able to cut down uh, the 20 pounds, but she did. 2011 pro MMA debut, four years younger than Lemos, more active striker, minus 239. Go ahead. I'm going to actually take Lemos here. Um, wow. Yeah, and, and I know it seems crazy, but I actually think I think I might take Andrade in a three-round fight, and I'm going to take Lemos in a five-round fight, um, if that makes any sense. I, I think... Andrade is the type of person who kind of tell me I'm wrong. Does it feel like Andrade kind of needs to like put the pedal to the metal and like hurt her early? That's that usually is her path to victory. Yes. But like Lemos is pretty damn elusive. Like she's not easy to hit like less than 50% of the strikes that are thrown at her land. Um, Whereas like, Andraj eats a lot of the, the shit that gets thrown at her. And she's not like the most accurate striker in the world either. A lot of wasted energy on Andraj. And the other thing I'll say is like, not for anything, Amanda Lemos is not like less of a power puncher than, than Jessica Andraj is. Right? Like she went in there and freaking Colcox Lavia Souza. She, she, she knocked out Montserrat Canejo with a jab. Like, it knocked her out with a jab. So, like, she's a woman who's got tons of power, too. She knocked down Angela Hill. She's got a knockdown in all four of her last four fights. So, like, she's got powerful hands, too. So, like, even if we're talking about this being a power-punching fight, like, I think Lemos can hang with her. I also think Lemos could win late in the fight, too, by just, like, winning you know, like one of the first three rounds, but then also four and five. Um, Because if Andrade can't put you away, I can't imagine her going a hard five. Well, she she has won six, uh, six fights via uh, decision. But yes, um, she does have experience in five round fights. Lemos does not. This is her first headliner. I am taking Andrade, but Lemos's power is something that worries me with the pick. Um, but Andrade only loses to champs. So last time she's, She's lost someone who has not been UFC champ or has been UFC champ at some point in the career was seven years ago, 2015. Um, and she really hasn't shown any any signs of serious deterioration of her skills. So until Lemos proves that she could prove it this week and until she proves that she can handle that, uh, hang at the elite elite level, I'm going to take Andrade this one and, and we'll see what happens. So I'll take her at minus 239. So just for the record, too, because I, I do want to yes. throw this out here and, and, and you're, you know, you're picking the favorite. So I'm, I'm cool with that. You, you said she has five round experience. Do you want to know how many times Jessica Andrade has been into the championship <laughs> rounds? Probably zero. 
She's been in the championship zero. rounds one time uh, ah. in her whole career, and she went to the judges' scorecards. She lost that fight 50-44 to 44 after dropping a 10-8 fourth round and a 10-9 fifth round. So she... Which fight had, was that? Uh, she fought Ioane on Jacek. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so like again, a, a decent loss. Your your point about her only losing to the top of the top, a very salient point. Like that, she, you're 100 percent right. She she only loses to really great fighters. I'm mostly arguing that Amanda Lemos is a really great fighter. Um, and I would also say, you know, like no experience in the championship rounds except for getting blasted by Joanna Jan Jacek, who dances around her. And I actually think Amanda Lemos does something similar. Well, at least she's trained for five-round fights. How about that? <laughs> she has done that. She has done that. <laughs> All right. So we differed on a few, and we differed on the main, which which will make things make things interesting. Um, now we have to do our recommended place. I'm just thinking, should I plug my laptop in before it dies, or should we just power through? Uh, you make your pick. I'll plug my laptop in. Go. You get right. the first right. uh, recommended place. All right. I'll dance around. I'll beat around the bush for a while because Jeff... No, I'm here. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. That was easy. All right. Um, so, uh, my first pick here, I'm going to take 40 bucks on a guy who I'm pretty confident in, um, who, who I think is going to win fairly easy. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to take 40 bucks on, uh, Manel cap. I I think, you know, I know you went with Subu Derji, so this isn't a pick for you to tail, but like, I think as long as he is his aggressive self, uh, he's a pretty safe bet here. So I'm going to take 40 bucks on him. I'm going to take a safer bet. 40 bucks, Claudia Puelis at minus 110. I love that number. I will put a big chunk of money on that. 40 bucks. That was actually my second bet. I have it written down right here. Okay. 40 bucks, Claudio Puelis. Uh, I, I like him a lot here too. I, I think as much as I love Clay Guida, I, I think the younger Puelish here is, is trouble for him. So yeah, 40 on cap, 40 on Puelish. We didn't really go into it, but explain this line, explain that line to me, Dan, why is this a pick and fight? I mean, I think some of it is that like, dude, Clay Guida is such a dog. Like he goes in there and he wrestles and he beats people right. who shouldn't, he shouldn't beat. Like, legitimately anytime I'm trying to make an argument about how good Clay Guida is, I point out the fact that he really should have beaten Brian Ortega. Like we're talking about Brian Ortega, a guy who might be on the way to getting another title shot at some point in time. And also probably should have lost to Clay Guida, except for he threw a flying knee with 40 seconds left and landed it and won, uh, but had lost the previous two rounds. Like Clay Guida was winning that fight easily and he was winning the third round so uh yeah like i i think it's because clay guida is legitimately good but i also think it's just because i I don't know that people realize what puelish has changed into since he's moved to to sanford mma like dude think about how good that that win over jordan levitt has aged that dude's three and one in the ufc mostly with his grappling and got out grappled by claudio puelish like that is a crazy good win in retrospect. Yep. Very true. Very true. All right. Um, I would take, I would put the whole farm at Romanov via finish, but we don't have a, a number for that. So we'll, we'll um, just tell you people to take that pick, but we won't actually put a, um, put any money down on it. All right. Let's give me, um, do I want to take, yeah, all right. 20 bucks, Charles Jordan to win outright. 
All right, and I'm going to close my last 20 bucks. I'll take it on Marcin Procneo. Uh, I think he beats the hell out of Felipe Lins here. All right, 20 bucks, Procneo. What are we giving you on that? We're giving you minus 125. Good number, actually. Um, what did I say? 125? That's what I said. All right, so Dan got three picks. I got 40 bucks left. Do I have one fight I want to drop it on or not? Hmm. 20 bucks on Barrio over Wright, and then um, 20 bucks on Pedro over Villanueva are, are going to be my picks. I like it. All oh, right. I, I, um, I won a lot. I, I was pretty close to of like. Of course you saving, do. I was pretty close to saving money for that, and then I was trying not to feel like a guy who's just trying to pile it on the Beverly Hills Ninja. Why do you hate him so much again? Is it just. He's just. It, yeah. The, like. Dude, have you looked at his record? Like, in all honesty, like, have you looked at his record? Like, Tapology. Yeah, good. Good. No, 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 not, no, no, not has he not fought anybody good? He's not fought anybody who I wouldn't beat before he got to the UFC. And wow. I say that, dude. Let, let, all right, I'm gonna read you the records of the people he beat. Ready? Yes. In his debut, Owen O. Second fight, Owen O. Third fight. Owen five. Fourth fight, Owen O. Fifth fight, Owen twenty one. <laughs> Sixth fight, Owen ten. So six Seven. fights, no no pro victories for any of his opponents yet. Seventh fight, Owen O. So look, at, in his seven pro fights to kick off his career, his. Opponents had a combined record of 0 and 30 fucking six, which is <laughs> one of the most ridiculous things. And then he changes it up just a touch. And he fights at Alaska FC and fights John Stern, who is the toughest competition to date for him at one and two. In his eighth pro fight, he fights a dude who's one and two, and he is by far the best guy he had fought up to that point, dude. Like, it's just insane the level of dude he's fought. And like Anytime he fights a guy in the UFC who can box a little bit, they beat the shit out of him. So, uh, you know, like Barrio can box a little bit. There you go. There you go. More hate onto the Beverly Hills Ninja. All right. Uh, recommended place once again. Dan, a.k.a. Gumby. 40 bucks on Cape. 40 bucks on Puelish. 20 bucks on Prochnio. Jeff, 40 bucks on Puelish. 20 on Jordan. 20 on Barrio. 20 on Pedro. Now Dan's going to give you a big, juicy, super jong, has to eat lots of food. Prop, I mean parlay pick. Okay, so we're we're gonna put together a big old fat parlay, and my my newest thing has been using as few fights as possible because I I hit a thirteen to one one, and I think that's the best way to go. So we're gonna start here with Marcin Procneo. We're gonna take Marcin Procneo wins inside the distance, okay? Because we think he's gonna finish Felipe Linz. You can get that at plus 165, and that's a pretty nice line for me. I'm also going to take Marc-Andre Berrio. I think he gets done by knockout um, after he tires out uh, Jordan Wright because I just think Jordan Wright can't quite hold for the entirety of that. Where did I had that line written down somewhere? Ah, there it is. Berrio by TKO. Um, and then last but not least, we're going to take Charles Jordan over Lando Venata. And actually, do I just want to take? Yeah, I'm just going to take that straight up. Charles Jordan. Um, originally, I was going to take him by decision because I thought he was not going to go the distance. But I'll take 
Procneo inside the distance. Barrio by TKO. Charles Jordan straight up. That's 11 to 1, friends. Boom. Get in on that, everyone, right now. All right. We did it. We broke down this amazing card. Dan's Gumby's dream card, I'm going to call it. Um, <laughs> we'll be back. We'll be back on Sunday to to make sense of all our picks and, and how amazing we did on it. Uh, until that time, make sure you listen to the Prelim Primer and Top Turtle MMA podcast, both Dan's other podcasts. Read our stuff at sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Read my MMA site, moneymma.substack.com. At the very least, get in our free pick and contest that I'm running on there, and you can win stuff for free. Who, who doesn't like free stuff? Um, Twitter, Jeff Fox, writer. He's Gumby Vreeland. Did I hit it all? Yeah, and, and I'll just throw this out here too. Sunday, I yep. may have something a little bit special for you guys. We're probably oh. going to start dipping into PFL picks on Sunday. Oh, so if wow. you're you're nice looking for a reason, yeah, if you're looking for a reason to listen, uh, PFL is happening midweek most of these weeks, like Wednesdays, Thursdays, the occasional Fridays. They like to change up the day, uh, but they've got some freaking awesome cards coming up, especially PFL 3. Um, PFL 1 is happening literally while we're recording right now so we yeah. probably couldn't have given you picks for that uh but we'll try to give you some for two or three at least some like value plays uh to kick off the episode um on sundays fantastic hopefully dan tells me in advance which fights we're gonna pick down <laughs> all right take us home daniel all right i'm daniel gobi freeland he is cam cheetah jeff fox <laughs> yep. and we we will see you on sunday